Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview April Tam Smith, co-owner of P.S. Kitchen, a vegan restaurant in New York that gives away 100% of its profits. April's day job is managing director of an equity sales and trading team at a large investment bank where she's worked for the past 13 years. Most evenings, however, she can be found at P.S. Kitchen. It's a balance that she's happy to strike as she's driven by a passion to help people. Having spent time volunteering in South Africa and Haiti, April, who moved to the US from Hong Kong when she was 11, discovered the joy of giving and was keen to make a difference in her own neighbourhood. She and her business partners teamed up with experienced restaurateurs Craig Cochran and Jeffrey Lapadula, owners of the Terry plant-based restaurant chain, to launch PS Kitchen, which opened its doors in August 2017. Located in the heart of New York's theatre district in Times Square, the restaurant is unique in not only giving away 100% of its profits to charity, but also in providing employment for people who have experienced challenges such as homelessness or incarceration and are in need of a fresh start. A third of employees come from the restaurant's charity partners that include the Bowery Mission and anti-sex trafficking organisation Restore. In this interview, April talks about how her day job allows her to fund PS Kitchen, the benefits of running a social enterprise business, the importance of collaborating with the right people and organisations, the challenges of opening a restaurant of this kind, and how one of them is also a bonus in regards to the business's purpose, why she chose the location for the business and signed a 15-year lease on it, how the story behind the restaurant has been key to its early success, and much more. Here's the interview with April Tam Smith from PS Kitchen. Hello, April. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to speak with you because I think this interview is going to be quite different from a lot of the ones that we generally do on the show. And I think it's really exciting and interesting and I hope will be inspiring for, for other entrepreneurs to, to give this a go as well, which is wonderful. So, so you run PS Kitchen, which is a, a social enterprise and, and you give away, you employ people from uh, particular charitable organizations um, who are sort of doing it tough and uh, you give away a hundred percent of the profit so the first question I ask everyone is the why so what are your drivers for for owning and running PS Kitchen yeah thank you for that kind intro Um, so yes I think at first sight a few people are quite curious about where (laughs) this crazy idea of starting a restaurant that gives away a hundred percent of the profit would come from uh, but once you probably get to know me a little bit more, um, as my colleagues would say, oh, that makes sense that you would think of that. Uh, so about seven or eight years ago, I got a chance to surf in an orphanage in South Africa. And just through that experience, um, I really got to experience what the joy of giving would look like. Um and fast forward another two years, I start to get really involved with an organization in Haiti. And I actually just came back from my 13th trip in Haiti a few few months ago. And as I continue to be 
passionate about these projects and ideas, as well as serving here locally in New York, started to have this vision of what if there is a place where all the profits are given away so that we can continue to um, yeah, sustainably fund these nonprofits we're passionate about, at the same time, use it to hire those that might need a second chance or those that are clients of our partner organizations. And that's kind of how the vision of PF Kingdom came about, joining the two missions together. Wow, I love that. And, and there's you involved and you've got a couple of other partners in the business, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank God for that. <laughs> so, uh, I had the vision with my business partner. Um, he was actually the one that teased me about it and said, like, you spend so much time trying to fundraise for these nonprofits. Why don't we just start a small, you know, nonprofit business that gives away all the profit? But he and I both have zero experience in the restaurant business. So as much as we were dreaming and thinking about having an organization that would fund nonprofits, we don't have the actual experience to back us up. So we're really grateful for the operating partners that know and have done this before. Right. And that's Craig, is it, who's part of Terry, the restaurant? Yeah, exactly. That is um, my incredible CEO who has done restaurants like and he could do this in his sleep yeah nice nice fantastic I think it's a really nice example of collaboration and like you said it's like okay you you didn't have the skills so you look for people who did to to bring them on so I think that's a really uh, a really good lesson so which is wonderful so now I know the restaurant it's really quite new this is quite a new enterprise normally I interview people who are a bit more along their kind of business journey but I just thought yours your business is so interesting Mm -hmm. and unique it will be be great to have you on the show so so I know it's been I've been going a, a several months now I think maybe eight or nine months if I'm right I think August 2017 yes so what were some of your challenges yeah what were some of your challenges when you first started out yeah that's a good question um I mean it's interesting to hear um of course we're known as a new business because our restaurant has only been open for nine months but we've actually had been planning and even have the space and doing construction for over, at this point, three years. Oh, really? So even though it feels really new, uh, our team has been working together for over three years now. From the moment that I started pitching to Craig about, hey, I'd love to start a nonprofit restaurant. Can you help me? To him actually being on board and helping us with all of his effort and talents. Um, Yeah, it's been a long journey. And I would say, That is my way of answering your question. A big part of the challenge was really uh, building up the space and getting it to the place that it is. Um, Because as you kind of noted, our name is PS, right? PS Kitchen. And we really want this to be firstly a place that is delicious, that people would want to come and think that it's fun and chic and it's a great place for first date or celebrating birthday or whatever. But then P.S., we give away all the profits. Ah, that's what the name means. I was going to ask you about the name. Yeah. Okay, clever. Yeah, exactly. So we um, did spend a lot of time and money and and just energy in making the space absolutely beautiful. And it's a place that is attractive. And 
one of my uh, favorite compliments from clients and customers is that even though we're in the middle of Times Square, uh, which could be a little bit more of a touristy area, I have a lot of people come in and say, wow, it, it feels like we're just not in Times Square. It feels like we're in West Village. It feels like we're in Brooklyn. <laughs> Uh, that's quite fun for me. Right. So some of the challenges were really kind of, yeah, as you say, kind of getting that place together and getting all the funding together to make it and, and get the team on board and, and those things. And you, you can't necessarily rush them. Exactly. Exactly. And um, of course, owning a restaurant is always going to be challenging. Um, it's not it's not the most easily profitable business as many people can imagine yeah yeah for sure for sure exactly so what about now that you've opened it it's been open a few months and people know about it so how have the challenges changed now that it's open and available to the public um i would say that the biggest challenge is a lot of the restaurant business um, has a lot of, it's a very transient business. So even though we've known that it's part of the business, um, some of the employees coming and going has been a bit more difficult than I would have imagined. Uh, but in a way, given that we have a passion to, you know, a third of our jobs are specifically for those that might want this on their resume could be something that they haven't done before so how transient the restaurant business is um in a way that has maybe helped us and allow us to hire more people and give more people that first chance so even though that has been a challenge it's also for our business model something that has made sense and has allowed us to help maybe even more people than we would have expected. Right, right. So they, you're kind of giving them the first step on the ladder so they might come, but they might not necessarily stay a huge long time. Is that what you're saying, that there's a high turnover of staff in the hospitality as it is? Exactly. And it could be sometimes it be a good story, like somebody wanted to use this as their stepping stone and going back into acting or nursing school or somebody having gotten that experience at PF Kitchen and now is able to use this to get a job that's closer to their home and community, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so that's been a really interesting way of just, I try very hard to um, have almost like preferential uh, interviewing process for those that are in our uh, partner organizations. So that's been really fun of just being able to say, yes, come work for us. We'll train you. We'll try our best to um, have people that can partner with you and just allow you to go on this journey. Um, yeah, just go on this journey, even if you think that maybe you're not ready yet, et cetera. Um, and wow. being able to see people really flourish. That's wonderful. I love that. I think that's just so brilliant. So can you give us an example of the, the sort of type of people that you employ in terms of what kind of situations are they typically in and what kind of demographic in terms of gender or age? Yeah, so we are, um, like any regular restaurant, we have a really diverse background. We have people that are, you know, aspiring actors and actresses or people that are just really passionate about the food industry uh, it's definitely a wide range. So I think if you're specifically asking for some of our program staff, 
um, yeah, we have had really, really encouraging stories come out of it. Um, one woman, um, we call her, let's say M, um, she was incarcerated for a few years. Uh, we were one of her first stable jobs. And just having the chance of seeing how she has flourished and has told us that she was able to go from shelter to shelter to now being able to have her first own apartment in New York City. Oh, wow. uh, that was just something that is like, it's just absolutely priceless. Um, yeah, we have another guy, um, we call him B, from another program who had told us his story of coming out of the Bowery Mission. And he was the guy that would like always wear his Bowery Mission hat around because he's proud of his story. Yeah. Um, and he would share that he struggled with substance abuse. Uh, he wrestled with homelessness and that's why he landed in the Bowery Mission. And just having a stable job again and somebody give him that chance again that he's able to really pick himself back up and really got clean and sober. Yeah, and just getting an experience from us and now has actually gone on to another job. Oh, wonderful. How fantastic. That's great. Thank you for sharing this. I think that gives a really kind of great picture. Um, so you've got basically got a mi- mixture of employees from your partner organizations, as well as just kind of employees from anywhere else, and they all kind of work together. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, we, um, we love that. We just want people that are, I love the restaurant business or wanting to get exposure to restaurant business. We need people that have done this forever to train those that might have a lack of experience, at least for right now. Uh, We also don't really share um, who is who. We don't really specifically say, oh, this person has this kind of background. So it's just like a very like, yeah, happy family, um, hopefully. And just like this um, blank slate of whoever that wants to come in can come in and yeah, Brilliant. pick up what they need to pick up. Brilliant. Now, I mean, obviously, if you said so, running a restaurant, um, it has quite a lot of expenses, like, uh, you know, as well as obviously staff wages and, you know, stock and everything. So the fact that you give away 100% of your profit, uh, how does that, like, how does the business make money and actually ensure it's sustainable? Because obviously, with a lot of small business owners, they would start a business and then whatever profits they've got, they reinvest back into the business to keep it going. Yeah. So how does that work with, with yeah. the kitchen? No, absolutely. That is a really good question. So um, what we do is, well, A, of course, in order for us to continue to hire people, continue to just be a space of generosity, which is my dream of like inspiring people to see there's a different way of doing business. We have to stay in business. So in that sense, we're not that different of we want this place to be sustainable. So we'll make wise business decision of like, yeah, we are going to have a safety net, a reserve, et cetera. But what's really unique about us is um, for everybody who invested, not a single person will take any profit. So, and myself and my business partner, we both actually still have our separate full-time job, which is why we're able to um, not only fund this um, as a project that we feel passionate about, but also 
not take any kind of salary and do this on a voluntary basis. Okay, uh, got it. What, what's your full time yeah. job? You're, you're on the trading floor, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I work on the trading floor. Wow. Um, and my business partner, it's also in, in yeah, in the, the same industry. And oh. we just both, I think, um, we both were uh, immigrated to, I immigrated to the States and he immigrated to um, the UK when we were around 10 and 11. And also both of us just really didn't have necessarily a lot, a lot growing up. And I think that we really believe yeah, that the things that we've been blessed with aren't really just meant for us. And we've always uh, separately and now together uh, with our spouses respectively think that what if we use what we've been given to be radically generous um, back to the world? What would that look like? Um, Yeah, and that's kind of this little joke that we started about why don't we start a business together and give all the profits away. And that's kind of what led it to PS Kitchen today. Wow, that's brilliant. So as a new venture, so is it in profit yet? So, yeah, we um, we just had our first uh, operationally break-even month last month. Oh. So that was a lot faster than I would have thought. But yeah, oh, absolutely. We're not yeah. in profit yet. Uh, but hopefully this coming month, knock on wood, uh, will hopefully be our first profitable month. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. And I, I just really love what you're doing. I think it's brilliant. So I'm curious about your timing then, because if you work full time in your trading career, <laughs> you're, I'm guessing you, do you, like, are you, how often, how involved are you in the restaurant? Like, obviously, you've obviously got staff running it when you're not there, but are you there every night or all weekend? Like, how often are you, are you there? Yeah, <laughs> I'm there probably a good five to six times a week. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So it's a little bit of an intense life at the moment. Uh, we, my husband and I joke that this is literally our baby. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure us, like a full-time parent, there's a lot more hours than that, right? Uh, and you don't get breaks when you're a parent. But uh, yeah, and it's, it's something that I'm seeing. Um, a, of course, I'm really passionate about it. So it feels less like work. Um, and also be, it's going to become more sustainable as it quote unquote grows up. And now that we're on our ninth month, uh, it is wonderful to see that it's starting to become more and more sustainable and yeah, just seeing the business flourish has just been so rewarding. Fantastic. Now I love the fact that obviously it's a vegan restaurant, which is amazing. So what kind of client, what kind of clientele come to the restaurant? Mm, Yeah. Well, I'm really fortunate that my team are, well, A, they're incredible, and B, they are all really experienced and kind of connected in the plant-based world. Uh, So even before we were open, the two years that we talked about planning this, um, they've been able to really spread the word and have told so many people about it. So we definitely felt like well-loved by the plant-based time-based community uh, in New York City. Uh, But what's been really interesting is that most of the people that come are not vegan. Uh, We're in the theater district. Yeah, so the fact that 
it's a beautiful place in the theater district that people can come and eat before show has been attractive. And also the fact that, um, again, I work on a trading floor. So being able to share that with coworkers and inviting oh. them to come has been really fun. Yes, of course. Wonderful. And the reaction's been good? Sorry, say that one more time. No, that's okay. So, and the reaction, I assume the reaction's been very positive from, say, your co-workers and from the not-yet-vegan or pre-vegans, as I like to call them. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is another really fun part for me is, for example, we have the Beyond Burger at oh, yeah. Burger. Oh, nice. Yes. And the reaction I get to watch by my very carnivore colleagues on a trading floor and seeing how they take their first bite and it's like, wait, what? How is this not <laughs> um, And how much they tell people that they love our space often followed by, and I'm not even vegan or um, you don't even have to be vegan and it's delicious. Um, just getting people to be a lot more open-minded and knowing that because something is quote-unquote vegan does not at all mean you have to sacrifice the taste at all. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's more delicious and obviously better for you and for the environment. Fantastic. Now, how much, so when you when people come to the restaurant, like say they're in the theatre district and they just kind of happen upon the restaurant, maybe they hadn't necessarily heard about it in advance, how much of the, well, either both the vegan and the plant-based, but also the social enterprise aspect of it, how much is that portrayed? Like could would someone just go and just go, oh, this is a nice restaurant and leave? Or once they go in, like is, is there a way that they kind of immediately know about the ethos of it. Like how much do you convey, I guess, in the physical space? It's such a good question. We have been wrestling this ourselves, and this is kind of the new, newer business part of us that we're still growing. Um, currently, it's very, very downplayed. Uh, actually, a lot of my feedback from colleagues and friends have come is you have to really share your story. Uh, we appreciate that you guys are trying to make this very subtle and it's really just first a delicious restaurant. Um, but at the moment, you can come in and other outside of just seeing the very bottom of the menu that's a PS, we give away 100% of the profit. Uh, most people can probably come in, walk away, and not know our story. Um, so that is something that we're actually uh, currently working on and trying to be a little bit more, um, maybe just sharing it a little bit more and in a subtle but clever way. Yeah. So we're going to start to feature a little bit more of our story, maybe on our menu, but also in various parts of the physical space. Okay. Um, as yeah. well as just, yeah, maxing out impact within our physical space too. Like, for some of our napkins that's made of cloth that could be done um, in a place like Haiti or our coffee beans or our art and decor, et cetera. Uh, we're going to really use that to also maximize our impact 
nice for the environment and for society yeah i love that i mean you've got such a fascinating story it's like i mean i could see where people get i I can see it's kind of like in one way you might not want to kind of shout about it from the rooftop in case it prevents people from coming and making assumptions and oh well is the food going to be okay but once they're kind of there (laughs) you you can i can imagine them kind of going oh wow and there's this so yeah you certainly have an amazing story and i love that now in terms of then promoting the rest or getting it out out there um what are some of the marketing strategies that you use and which are the most effective yeah i think uh well being a restaurant um instagram and pictures it's always helpful of course uh i love the pictures that we have gotten for our food a lot of it done by craig actually um and also we do I uh, appreciate the fact that people are attracted to goodness. So um, we had PR helping us the first three to four months, um, or five to six months, I think. But afterward, over the last three, four months, we've just really had it be a completely organic growth. A uh, bit of social media, but a lot of just um, various people telling the story for us on our behalf or asking us to share a story um in different yeah like podcasts and panel and conferences because i think people all at the bottoms of our heart of their hearts like want to do something like this or care about it or at least wanting to support it Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a really lovely model because like you said, the, the traditional model is uh, you have your day job and then you do what you did. You then go and, you know, volunteer for other organizations like nonprofit organizations. But I love the fact that you've actually created a business that not only gives away its profits to the organizations, but is able to actually employ people, uh, you know, who really otherwise, yeah, would like you, you mentioned that some of the staff would otherwise find it very difficult to uh, get that hand up, which I really like. I really like the tagline, giving people a hand up not a hand down, which is is wonderful Thank so you. Oh, that's fantastic um so just kind of wrapping up a little bit now in terms of uh, so for people like I know you you mentioned when we we were talking someone uh, came to see you that's interested in doing something similar in another city so I'm curious about what yeah. can you offer someone because this isn't really something that everybody or anybody can do maybe straight away because like you say it does like you've put your own funds in your partners have put your own funds in it's a quite a different model but I'm curious for, for people who who perhaps would like to do this who are either perhaps in a position to, to to at least start looking at it now or who know that they would perhaps like to do something like this in the future what advice mm-hmm. and tips could you offer them April yeah that is really my dream and passion is as crazy as it might have felt to <laughs> pour so much of our savings into doing something like this and signing a 15-year lease in Times Square at the age of 30. Did you? Felt really scary. Wow. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's amazing. It was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but my dream is really to hopefully inspire other people to do the same. So having a conversation like the one that I was just telling you I just had it's just so encouraging to me because I'm one person and we're one restaurant but when we all get together and do something a little bit radical for the world and a little bit different our efforts really add up so this one person was just um yeah a connection through another friend who incredibly worked um in 
an anti-trafficking effort um, in another country and came back and just really feel this strong passion to give back to this work and wanting to start a small coffee shop, but similar model and give back all their profits. And like I was telling him, like, just because we've done it this way and we happen to have funded it does not at all mean that's what you have to do. Um, in fact, there are a lot of organizations out there now and foundations and different social businesses summits that support ventures like this. Um, I think we're living in a very encouraging um, time where the new generation and also a lot of the investment dollars are actually seeing the benefit of having a double bottom line, a triple bottom line right. of what that could look like to engage business with justice. Right, right. Got it. So cool. So basically what you're saying is you don't necessarily have to fund this or yourself. You There are potentially some other options. And I think what I love I said about what, what you said earlier was about the collaborating and finding people with different skill sets with the same passion. Um, and that can often help to get things yeah. off the ground when rather than just trying to do something um, solely on your own. Yeah, absolutely. I was just recently at a social business summit uh, and it was just so encouraging to see the amount of not only entrepreneurs that were there, but also potential investors that uh-huh. are just literally there because they're looking for things like this to support. Wonderful. I love that. I was going to ask you, my final question was actually going to be, what's your long-term vision for yeah. Pierce Kitchen? But the fact that you've signed a 15-year list, <laughs> I guess, I kind of asked, <laughs> what else would you like to say on that? I would say, similar to my last response, is, whether it be myself multiplying more of PS Kitchen in various parts of the city or country or world, but also helping other folks that have a similar vision that might not know how to get started. Uh, even just this conversation right now I had, so it was an encouragement for this person that I didn't expect to give to him uh, when we first got connected, that he's like, you did my vision. So for me to see that this works and to be sitting here is such an encouraging to me that I can go and replicate this now. Um, so yeah, hopefully it doesn't have to be called PS. It doesn't even have to have anything to do with us. But if we can help other people start dreams like this, um, it would really be a privilege. Wonderful. Wow. Well, I certainly hope there'll be a lot more. And definitely the next time I'm in New York, I will definitely be coming to visit PS Kitchen. <laughs> yes. We would love to have you and have a PS burger on me. Oh, sounds wonderful. <laughs> April, you've been uh, absolutely fantastic. I know you're incredibly busy, what with your full-time gig and with PS Kitchen. So I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time and sharing some really helpful information and I'm sure inspiring uh, people to, to want to explore going down this path and we certainly be lovely to have more and more of these uh, businesses that are good for people good for animals and good for the planet so thank you very much for joining me today it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me so that was april tam smith from ps kitchen you can find out more at ps-kitchen.com And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 105. Now for our vegan business news roundup. 
Sales of UK supermarket Tesco's Wicked Kitchen vegan product range have doubled projections, reports Live Kindly. Created by plant-based chef Derek Sarno, the line of 20 Wicked Kitchen meals rolled out into 600 stores at the start of 2018. According to the most recent sales figures, the chain has sold more than 2.5 million units of the range in the first 20-week period ending in May, more than double the company's sales projections. The top five bestsellers include the Sweet Potato Pecora Wrap, Nana's Bolognese, Barbecue Shroom Sourdough Pizza, Sourdough Caponata Pizza and the Hoisin Mushroom Wrap. So this is fantastic news, particularly because Tesco has been so impressed with the sales volume that it's expanding its vegan range even further. It recently added the Vivera vegan steak and is about to extend the Wicked Kitchen line as well. So this is potentially a great opportunity for even more vegan brands to get on supermarket shelves and reach bigger audiences. 800 sets of vegan frosting were sold in less than 10 minutes on shopping channel QVC recently, reports Veg News. Heather Saffer, owner of Dollop Gourmet Frosting Brand, started the company after winning Food Network's Cupcake Wars in 2012. In 2016, she was a contestant on Shark Tank and gained a $75,000 investment from Barbara Corcoran in exchange for 25% of the business. During her appearance on QVC, Saffa sold around 800 sets of her vegan frosting at $39.50 a set that includes flavours hot chocolate, Madagascar vanilla, peanut butter cookie dough and sea salt caramel. So hopefully this will encourage the shopping channel to get more vegan brands on board as there's obviously a market for them. And of course, if you can get your product on there, it offers great exposure as well as sales opportunities. Finally, a vegan grocery store has opened in North Carolina, reports Port City Daily. Upbeat Market, and that's spelt B-E-E-T, in downtown Wilmington, is the first vegan store in the area. Owner Jess Marler started the business in response to a growing local vegan community who were having to visit several stores to get products they wanted. Marla said, It's super frustrating when at the end of the day you want to pop in, grab a few things for a meal and go home. You double all of your trips just trying to hunt down the vegan version. The store stocks a range of vegan food and home goods items. It also hosts a Panacea Brewing Company filling station, a vegan jerky tower, multiple vegan cheese options and art made by vegan artists. It's great to see the rise in vegan stores and markets. There's a few of these popping up across the globe, some of which I've reported on in previous episodes of the show, especially when they're in areas that are not traditionally associated with vegan or plant-based living. And I anticipate we're going to see more of these. Fantastic. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. 
Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 